0: Like haunts? Yes. Do you like immersive theater? Yes. Do you like escape rooms? Yes. What's the safe word?
1: My haunt life. Hello and welcome to the My Haunt Life Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. And Russell, Halloween season is just about over, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, and uh, it's been kind of an odd one, uh, hit and miss as far as events and things like that, but I've managed to fit in some fun stuff, and um, it's like, it's funny, this season, Mike, I seem to be leaning more than haunts. I, I end up doing a lot of theater stuff this season.
1: Yeah, I've noticed. That's why we haven't hung out a lot. <laughs>
0: I will make you a theater nerd somehow someday. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I like a challenge, uh, but uh, I mean, we last time we got together, we had talked about you know we had talked about Fright Dome, which was in Las Vegas, um, and you and I wanted to make it out to Freakling Brothers mm-hmm. that weekend, and we didn't have the time, uh, right? Qu- just because Fright Dome lasted so late into the night, and uh, we had to fly out the next day. Uh, but I went back to. Uh, Las Vegas for several reasons, Um, and I did manage to make it to Freakling Brothers, and once again, have to give props to the Freakling Bros Horror Shows in Las Vegas. Uh, It's their 25th anniversary year, and congratulations on making it, you know, a quarter of a century, guys. Uh, The praise that you have received is well-deserved. Mike, it's, they're still extremely strong, they're some of the best haunts, and this year, actually, uh, I've heard from several people who managed to make it to Las Vegas for the first time to see them. Uh, the weekend that I went, you know, Mike, that I, I met several friends from New York, and you know, John from Philly was there.
1: Okay, Mister Name Drop, get on with it. I,
0: I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to continue name dropping, dude. <laughs> so, met a whole bunch of people from New York and Chicago and St. Louis, and like lots of people were all in town for one weekend, and we all met, and at various times we're doing. Um, Um, But
1: why were they all in town? Well, many of them was the common
0: thread. (laughs) Many of them attempted the victim experience this year. Uh, some met with success. Some did not make it all the way through. Proud of all of them. Oh yeah. It, It
1: takes so much just to even show up.
0: Yeah. Even to walk through that door is, um, an achievement in, in personal integrity and fortitude. And, um, yeah, definitely. Um, huge respect for each and every one of them however far they got yeah i I did not want to attempt the victim experience this year uh
1: yes you did <laughs> what do you don't even I, try right well no now.
0: i i yes I wanted to but I also am smart enough to know that I wasn't ready this year yeah with all the medical stuff with uh personal stuff that was going on I just knew that I wasn't mentally and physically in a place where I could tackle it um, which is a lesson I partially learned by the last time I attempted it so, but yeah, you're right. I I did want to, but I was smart enough not to. Yep,
1: same with me. I mean, it would have been nice to have bragging rights about being the like the only people to do it 3 times successfully, but
0: I don't need those bragging yeah, rights. I don't care
1: anymore. Yeah. We have proved our points. <laughs> yeah, I
0: I have nothing to prove to anyone. So, um uh, but no, uh, congratulations to all who attempted it this year. Uh heard it was more intense in certain ways. Um uh I you know they sign NDAs so I haven't heard very specific descriptions but I, I've heard enough to know that uh, they that there's a couple of quiet moments apparently that freak people out and also it's very physically intense so um, but uh, the Freakling brothers normal haunts normal <laughs> that seems like the wrong word to use for those guys uh, and uh, our uh, the Coven uh, maze Mike is back and as is, is strong as ever and uh, the vampire maze castle vampire is back and gates of hell is back and they have a, they had a new room in gates of hell which um i, I just told you there was a great effect in but, yeah um i can't obviously tell you what the room was no, i don't want to know uh, i know you don't uh yeah i'm really glad i made it because there's such strong haunts good
1: i mean how were how were they compared to last year so, I And mean, were there big changes or
0: uh there were some minor tweaks here and there, not huge changes though so um more <laughs> more demon mucus and if you went through uh the coven of 13 you know what i mean lots of more demon mucus <laughs> which i guess you can never have enough uh but i i would like to say you know since uh you know i i mentioned a couple i mentioned one person uh gladys steve dan brian jason omar tom kevin justin deanna uh I hope I haven't forgotten anybody, Carl.
1: And as he's saying that, he has his magic mirror up. No, I don't.
0: (laughs) And I see. Wow, do you remember the magic mirror? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I think is magic mirror. Was that only the Midwest and East Coast? Romper room. Romper room. yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I saw it, and I was on the East Coast. They
0: never said Russell.
1: Really? Never. Did they say Rusty?
0: So I. Don't think so. Because I was always disappointed and I asked my mom, like, why doesn't anybody there know I exist?
1: (laughs) I'm not going to make the obvious joke.
0: You know, I have still have issues with that, Mike, (laughs) to this day. Oh, my God. All of my problems started with Romper Room. Oh, my God. Mike.
1: We need to call Mr. Green Jeans.
0: (laughs) Wow. I'm sorry. I'm having a moment. Um... (laughs) where were we Vegas what
1: you were name dropping I was name dropping it's, through the uh, magic mirror
0: I hope uh, I before we got distracted uh, I hope I listed everyone um, uh, who went through uh, yeah it's just like everyone who I ran into that weekend and that was all within like three days that I saw all those people yeah it was it was insane. It was ridiculous.
1: <laughs> the victim brings them
0: out. So, uh, but yeah, uh, the victim experience, if you're looking for something extremely intense, consider it. But as I said to everyone who's ever asked me about it, know yourself well before you attempt it. Um, and again, Freakling Bros Horror Shows in Las Vegas, uh, they are some of the best haunts I've ever been to. Um, I think you would agree, Mike?
1: Oh, yeah. They're fantastic. Yeah. I mean, they make us go to, I mean...
0: We want to go go to Vegas every 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 year. year. (laughs) We literally travel to another state to do haunts. So anyway, uh, on the website, you can look them up, uh, FreaklingBros.com on Facebook, look up Freakling Bros. Also on Instagram and Twitter, Freakling Bros. They also have a YouTube channel, which we'll throw that link into the show notes.
1: And speaking of bros, you also went to Zach Baggins' Haunted Museum while you (laughs) were there.
0: Wow, nice segue. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Zach Baggins uh, from Ghost Adventurers.
1: Ghost Adventures.
0: Oh, Ghost Adventures. Pardon me. Um, uh, he has opened a haunted museum in Vegas. And Mike, we went on, I think, the 10th or 9th or 10th day that it was open. Okay. We went on Friday the 13th, which was kind of cool. Um, they gave us a nice little souvenir ticket uh, because we were there on Friday the 13th. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so this is getting a lot of attention uh, because it's a new uh, a, a tourist attraction in Vegas It literally is a haunted museum. Obviously, Zach Bagans' career, he has encountered many haunted items. Uh, He's done a lot of ghost investigations, paranormal investigations. Um, If you follow his adventures on television, that's what you've seen. This is a museum which is set up in one of the oldest residences in the Vegas area, apparently. You can learn a little bit uh, of the history of the home when you're there. Here's the thing. It's a museum filled with possibly haunted objects
1: possibly haunted
0: Uh, it has haunted in the name of the place (laughs) allegedly haunted probably haunted uh they do let you know here before i get into that uh there's pros and cons to the whole experience it is not a museum where you go in and you can wander through and spend your time what it's not which is what you think of when you hear the word museum so
1: it's not haunted and it's not a museum This.
0: No, I didn't say it's not haunted. Okay. (laughs) So it's a led guided experience. So they lead you from room to room and they point out objects in each of the rooms and they tell you the history of certain objects in the room. I recommend this for that guided tour because you see so many objects and so much cool stuff. Um, things that have been owned by celebrities in the past that have are that are important in Vegas history. Uh, he's also brought things from other areas of the country to this museum to put them on display. Uh, there is a Dybbuk box. There is a haunted doll. And there is the famous house that Zach Baggins bought um, with the, the haunted staircase. He brought a portion of that to this museum in Vegas. And here is the thing about... The the haunting aspect of this. They actually don't allow underage people into those rooms. Hmm. They will stop the tour and say, okay, we need to seriously know who's under the age of 18. It's like this for safety concerns, for liability reasons, like you do not get to enter this room just in case you are sensitive, you know, in case you're an empath, a medium, whatever. Uh, it's like you're, if you're underage, you cannot go in certain areas of the museum be forewarned of that because like i i I, in a couple of the tour groups around me i noticed younger people feeling a little disappointed because like the whole tour group would go into a room and they would have to stay outside
1: oh that's a bummer
0: yeah and and it's you know and i'm sure teens watch his you know tv adventures teen girls probably yes exactly is what i saw (laughs) teen (laughs) girls being disappointed um so there are things which they are concerned enough about the history of the item, the spiritual history of the item that they only allow um, of age people to be in the same room with the item. Uh, there are, I, I will say this, um, there was a moment on the tour mic where the tour guide was you know, introducing a room and suddenly there was rapping from inside the room and the tour guide went, okay, did anyone else hear that? And of course, several of us who were standing close to the door said yes. And she said, that's, that's not a noise that we're familiar with. Like that's, that's something. And we entered the room and there was no one in the room. Mm. So the wrapping came from behind a door where there was no one there when we walked into the room. So that was the one thing on my tour that was like, okay, that's kind of squeaky, squeaky, squeaky. That's, qu- <laughs> that's kind of like iffy as far as, um, we where does are uh, go back squeaky. It's a, it's How? a, it's a slang term that someone at my work uses. <laughs> and so I, okay. for some reason that came into my head.
1: All right. <laughs> so, i have been working with cartoons too long.
0: <laughs> I think I've been working in cartoons too long. Um, so, yeah, that, that was a weird moment. Uh, they do have beautiful, beautiful displays. It's just I can't express how beautiful this museum is on the inside. And I wish the, the, the guided tour were even longer. And we were in there, I believe, for almost 90 minutes. Oh, cool. So it's a small house by modern standards, even though it was a huge residence at one point in the Las Vegas history. Fascinating, beautifully laid out, beautiful displays, tons and tons of stuff to look at. In the middle of this, I don't want to give too much away, but in the middle of this, you might have a, what I would say is a mini haunt experience. Nice. Um, And I don't want to say anything else about that. Uh, There is a beautiful, the highlights for me were, uh, like the Divock box, the haunted doll was very interesting. Um, They have uh, items from Ed Gein's barn.
1: That's cool.
0: Which was fascinating. And I will say this, inside that room, there is a picture I had never ever seen of Gein. Hmm. And and it's so creepy because he's standing next to a Christmas tree. Hmm. And if you know the history of him, like the idea of him standing next to a Christmas tree, like having a happy holiday is a really weird, creepy image to have in your brain. I can't wait to go. Yeah, it's, uh, so yeah, there's there's beautiful imagery. If you're, like, you know I like circuses and sideshow stuff. Uh, There's some elements of that uh, throughout the museum. There is a beautiful, I guess you'd call it a diorama um, of a working circus that is, and and it's just one of those things, like, like, where else can you put this? It, you know, yeah, you, you, it's a piece of history. They don't even make things like this anymore. Um, lo- lots of fascinating displays. I, I recommend checking out because it is such a beautiful um, set of displays. But I will say, I wish the guided tour had moved a little bit slower and allowed more time to explore. But also I was there near the opening of the run. So it was very crowded, Mike. And I think they might've been trying to put people through quickly. Oh
1: yeah. Especially during October on, on Friday the 13th.
0: On Friday the 13th. So I'm, I'm hoping that actually the, the tour might be a little slower on, on regular days. So highly recommend it for the creepiness factor.
1: Did they allow you to take pictures?
0: You are not allowed to take pictures on Okay, the I figured. So, um there is a gift shop with some information about some of the items and uh you can get lots of merchandise with Sackvagens, you know, name on it. So
1: It so it sounds from your description that it's kind of like a cross between Museum of Death and Dearly Departed in a way.
0: Oh, interesting. Um yeah, I would I would say higher production value mm-hmm. than those. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's along the same lines, Cool. Like, creepy items tied to famous deaths, sometimes to ha- famous haunted cases. Um, they, they do have a couple of things that, you know, I, I actually don't want to spoil some of it, but there are some things tied to celebrities that have passed who are important to the, the Vegas history. So I, I would recommend checking it out if you're a Zach Baggins fan or if you are a fan of creepy haunted stuff. Cool. No, glad I went, definitely. Uh, You can find their website at thehauntedmuseum.com. And on Facebook, look up Z Baggins Haunted Museum X. And I did some research. I couldn't find a a specific dedicated Twitter or Instagram feed uh, for Zach Baggins Haunted Museum yet. However, if you search Zach Baggins Haunted Museum as a hashtag on Instagram and Twitter, you will find people are hashtagging it like crazy.
1: So speaking of dead people... You did another thing in (laughs)
0: Vegas. (laughs) You are just Segway king today. (laughs) Uh, Yes. uh, Hanging out with all those friends that I mentioned uh, who came in town for the Freakling Brothers uh, uh, experience. We hung out uh, several times. We ate lots of good food and we went and did the Fear the Walking Dead survival attraction, which is located in downtown Vegas. If you're familiar with Vegas, there's an area called the Fremont Street area and Uh, it's, it's now known as the Fremont street experience because it's got, you know, uh, lighted signs overhead that light up at night. It's, it's sort of a shopping casino, uh, touristy area nearby. There's, uh, uh, lots of shopping and and fun stuff to be, to, uh, to, uh, distract you and keep your senses overloaded. It's the original Vegas. Yeah, it's the original Vegas, definitely. And, and they've, they're trying to upgrade it, uh, to newer, slicker stuff. So um, Fear the Walking Dead Survival Attraction is based on the Fear the Walking Dead show. And from the description on the website, it's the newest thrill attraction in Las Vegas, a multi-sensory experience featuring an interactive 3D motion ride. And it's now open at the Fremont Street Experience. So Mike, this is a weird combo of mini haunt. It sort of feels like the Universal Horror Nights Walking Dead maze a little bit. Uh, there's some interactivity in the fact that in a couple of the rooms you actually have tasks that you have to perform which was kind of cool which adds it wasn't necessarily an escape room vibe but there were like to like you, you know a video feed would come into a room where you're looking around and like quick hurry you have to accomplish this and then we would in the room have to you know, put things in a certain order or accomplish certain things and before we could leave the room. And it ends with, as I said, a 3D motion ride, which is also an interactive experience because they give you a gun and you get to shoot zombies. That's pretty rad. And it's fairly long too. And it, you, the hysterical thing about this is you're on a moving vehicle in the ride. Hmm. So of course the vehicle does everything from careen out of control to crash through things and so it is a motion ride with a gun in your hand which is sort of like a video game experience plus the motion ride at the same time.
1: So is it like those rides at Disney and California Adventure?
0: Um more active than that. Okay. So but yeah, it's like you you're talking about like the the fun fair the Yeah yeah. I'm drawing a blank on the name of that right and, and I love the, that And ride. the Toy Story yes, one? Yes, the Toy Story, char- Toy Story characters. Uh, but yeah, it's very similar to that, except it's more active and lots more blood. And
1: is this only open during October?
0: No. Uh, it seems to be a tourist attraction, which they are planning on having open for quite some time. Cool. So uh, if you want to learn more about that, you can go to uh, vegasexperience.com. And if you search for Fear Walking Dead Survival Attraction Las Vegas you will find it. And again, this is one of those things where if you look up Fremont street experience, you can find all of the information about this rather than looking up specifically the fear, the walking dead survival attraction. If you look at, um, it's the initials F S E eight, nine one Oh one on Facebook or on Instagram, search Fremont street and on Twitter, uh, it's the abbreviation for Fremont street experience, Las Vegas. So on Twitter, search for F S E L V And again, if you search Fremont Street Experience and then you search for Fear of the Walking Dead, you will find this attraction, I guarantee you.
1: So you said you were in Vegas for the weekend. (laughs) Yes. And when you were telling me about your plans to go to Vegas.
0: You said I was insane?
1: Right. Because there was something happening on Saturday that we had tickets to in L.A. Yeah. And you flew to Vegas Friday, flew back Saturday morning. And then did you drive back Sunday?
0: I drove back on Sunday.
1: Okay. And then you drove back. So,
0: and then I drove back here on Tuesday.
1: So instead of just staying in Vegas on Saturday, you decided to come back to LA like a crazy person. Yeah. And (laughs) what's your point? We (laughs) met up to see, to go to horror rewind.
0: It was worth coming back from Vegas to hang at a haunt with you.
1: That you're now you're definitely crazy. Now I'm gushing. Um, (laughs) But yeah, we However, went to
0: talk about this
1: because <laughs> it's finally something I did. Which, <laughs> sorry, we can't all have jet setter lives like you and oh. be going everywhere.
0: Frequent flyer points, dude.
1: And it helps with the job too. So yeah, so we went to Horror Rewind, which was a pop-up event uh, for the re-release of a bunch of movies classic movies on blu-ray um some of the movies are were like 28 days later carrie black swan um child's play the fly uh killer clowns from outer space return of the living dead um and if you went to this it was amazing like there's no there's no going around that it was awesome because there's a little thing we like to call delusion that Mm -hmm. happens that is on always on the top of everybody's lists when they do it and the team behind delusion helped put this together so you can just imagine what this was like and it was like delusion did a haunt
0: like based on classic yeah
1: (laughs) and it was it was Awesome. And so when you have pop-ups like this, it's basically marketing to get people excited for the re-release of movies and everything. Well, we recently
0: but, talked about the IT pop-up. Event, yeah. And th- this is sort of the the uh, a different version of that, a more intense version than IT was. Because this was actually presented by 20th Century Fox Home Entertainment and something called The Great Company and Delusion as a team. And uh, one thing we should mention before we get into the actual pop-up, the reason for this is because they've re-released these oh, like 19- horror or horror-ish films. And what they did is they commissioned new artwork for the cover by uh, a Mexican-Cuban-American artist named Orlando Aracena. And the artwork on these new Blu-rays is so cool. So fascinating. Very odd interpretations of iconic imagery. And literally, this horror pop-up was to promote those re-releases, which are available now, by the way. They came out in mid-September. And um, if you search uh, for these films, I'm sure you will find the, uh, Im- the, the new images. They're, they're awesome. But anyway, let's get back to the Horror Papa.
1: Well, wait, back to, back to the movies again. So one of the things that they did also is if you went there, they had all of these movies for a very discounted price. Yeah. And they're on Blu-ray. So if you're the, the person that still collects movies and buys like physical media, it was a steal because I think there were what, like seven bucks or yeah, eight there were bucks. Seven, I
0: think there were seven bucks there. And also you got uh, a small print of the artwork of the movie that you mm-hmm. bought. Like which it that was why I bought return of the living dead. If
1: this is the future of, of how things are going to go, like I'm so excited because I will buy stuff I don't need just because of this.
0: The, the pop-up was amazing.
1: Um, so the actual pop-up, it had basically scenes from four of these movies so you walk in and you meet with the receptionist and she tells you a story about the person that owns this place uh, is an art collector of sorts. And surprise, you're his new collection. <laughs> um, and then you get to tour all of the the different art installations, quote unquote. Um, and the first one we come to, Russell, I'm letting you take this because this is one of your favorite movies.
0: Uh, it, it is truly one of my favorite movies of all time. But you got to that room before I did, and you turned around, and I think because you know that it's one of my favorite movies, <laughs> you turned around and you looked at me with this grin on your face, and, and you said something like, oh, Russell. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at I looked past you, and all I saw was the blue shimmering curtain. And I knew instantly and what you did is you walked into the room and you walked onto the stage at the prom from the movie Carrie and Carrie was standing there covered in blood and they don't recreate the scenes from the movie you actually sort of step into the moment with the performers So, um, you were, you were a little bit ahead of me and she welcomed you guys. She Mm -hmm. welcomed you because, uh, Deb was also there with us and I want to point to one specific thing in a second, but I mean, she, she welcomed you and like, Hey, like, it's such a great day. It's my prom. Mm -hmm. And like, she's covered in blood and she seems happy. And she like, didn't she offer the roses for you to smell? Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: and because it was prom, she's like, everybody can take pictures and. And that's another cool point of this thing.
0: Yeah, they did allow you to video stuff. They allowed you to take pictures. And she actually did pose with pictures uh, with people who want to take pictures. And then she and here's a moment. This is one of those moments where the actress was so on and in character. Um, She was talking about Tommy and the roses that Tommy gave her for the prom and uh she said she was nervous and she stated that she didn't know how to dance which is also a a thread from the film as well and the fact that she's so nervous about dancing in front of the classmates that have made so much fun of her and she looked at me and she said would you help me learn how to dance and there was this moment where i you know i said sure and i stepped forward and she was she was about to position my hands and Deb giggled, and dude, it was perfect. The actress's reaction—the actress spun on Deb, and and said, "Did you just laugh?" And it was the look on her face, on Deb's face, was ju- like, "Oh my god!" Like, she, <laughs> like Deb honestly thought she had hurt Carrie's feelings, and it, it was such an amazing moment because this actress was so on point so completely in character, spun on Deb and said, like, did you laugh? I'm like, no, you, you laughed at me. And Deb was like, no, no, I didn't. I didn't. And so then she turned and faced everyone in the group and started launching into the mama was right. Like, you're all going to laugh at me. She said you were all going to laugh at me. And she started quoting the lines from the film. And at that point, sort of the curator character that we met walked back in
1: yeah and she came in and carrie looked at her and that was carrie's mother Mm -hmm. or at least that's what they made her believe
0: that's how carrie saw it
1: yeah and at that point we all had to leave because things were getting a little heated between the two of them and we we moved on to the next room and in the next room was one of my is one of my favorite movies it's it was so good
0: i actually didn't know that
1: oh yeah it's great it's it's one of those movies I can just watch over and over again. Yeah, Actually, I understand why. Actually, and The Room After That as well. Like, so...
0: Okay, which, we're going to have to talk about yeah, that one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, so The Next Room was based on 28 Days Later, which is not a zombie movie. I just need to say that out loud right now.
0: It's a virus outbreak movie.
1: Exactly. They yeah. get infected with rage, but yep. they're always listed with zombie movies. Right. Anyways, um. You walk in and you are in, it looks like, you know, a sidewalk of a destroyed city Mm -hmm. and you see there's a, a phone booth on the side, like from London. It's a London phone booth. Um, and there's like a woman that's apparently dead inside and you have the actor, like, Like begging for help, like you come in, he's like, "Help me, help me, my girlfriend! Like something's wrong." And he he tasks one of us, I think it was you, to go grab the the first aid kit. Yeah, there was from the dead woman.
0: There was a dead woman inside the phone booth, and she had a first aid kit clutched in her hand. And Mike, I, I gotta say one thing: yes, they did say, "Hey, take all the video you want, take all the photos you want," but. I, the guy pointed and said, quick, somebody needs to give me the first aid kit. Like, is it, bring me the first aid kit. And I turned around and Mike, there were four or five people closer to the first aid kit than oh, I yeah. was. Every one of them was watching this whole event through their phone.
1: Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. I just figured they didn't do a lot of immersive theater and no, they figured they couldn't do anything.
0: That's why I didn't, I, uh, you know, I just turned around cause I figured the person closest to the first aid kit would give the, the begging man whose girlfriend is bleeding out on the <laughs> sidewalk that, that they would give him the first aid kit. And I turn around and there's four people standing there with their phones up and they're watching everything unfold through their phone. I was like, This is one of those moments where you just think, come on, yeah, put your phone down. So I literally just like, okay, I'll do it. (laughs) So I go get the first aid kit and I rush back over and I I kneel by the girlfriend and hand him the first aid kit.
1: Yeah. And then uh, he tries to help her out.
0: He asked Deb to get a blanket. Mm
1: -hmm. And we soon find out that she is beyond help. She has been infected Mm -hmm. and... While this is happening, when you look in front of you, um, there's a backlit sheet of plastic that's all torn to shreds and you see shadows of of these infected people and you hear their their groans and it's like, oh crap, are we going to have to go through that to get out? Nope. So after we realize his girlfriend has turned, she gets up and starts attacking some of us and she's pushing us
0: towards the way we came in. She really went for you. Yeah really <laughs> <laughs> like she pinned you uh like backwards and like was like really almost hugging you mm-hmm. so it was great it was a great image yeah
1: <laughs> and as she's doing this all of a sudden all of those shadows turn into people and come out of that plastic and they're all being bat backlit and pushing us towards the exit and
0: They They, exploded. They are not
1: being shy either. It's not like a haunted house where it's like, oh, I'm coming to get you. You know, this was charging.
0: Yeah. Including one of the creepiest little kids I have ever encountered. (laughs) Yeah. And that, that, the kid came after me and I was like, I cannot believe I am running from a little kid (laughs) in zombie makeup i was just like
1: <laughs> not zombie makeup <laughs> not
0: zombie makeup virus outbreak makeup so uh yeah it was really truly a frightening moment when that plastic just like like they all came through in unison just bursting through that plastic
1: that's such a memorable scene oh
0: it was awesome it was one of the that would to me that room is one of the highlights of the entire 2017 haunt season yeah definitely
1: yeah i totally agree um so then we get pushed into the next room and we meet someone that used to be like us, mm-hmm. except they kept him here, which sounds awfully familiar <laughs> to some things that we've experienced in the past year or so. <laughs> um, but he broke that fourth wall and was like, my name is, you know, I forget what he said. His name it was like, my name is Dave. Like I was on a tour here too. And they kept me. I'm not a part of this. I'm not an actor. Like I need to get out of here. Somebody helped me. And then again, I think you got tasked to reach through the nobody door. Nobody else was <laughs> Nobody else
0: was willing to. Um the, there was a door with holes in it as if it had been part of a siege of some kind. A uh, siege? Yeah.
1: That sounds squeaky.
0: <laughs> the um with holes in it as if like people had like axed through parts of it and uh the guy said like look they're keeping us here and we have to reenact scenes from famous horror movies and and there was a person here earlier and and they attacked him and and they literally hacked off his arm and it's like it's like i see it but but are there any people like is there anyone in that room and so several of us looked through the doorway and went no there's no one in there And he's like can you reach the arm i'm like uh there was yes there's an arm on the floor and he said Is it holding a key? (laughs) I was like, yes. So I reach through and I pull this this bloody fake arm. Maybe fake. I think it was fake. It was very light. Um, Pull it through and he says, give it to me, give it to me. And he takes the arm and uses the key that's still clutched in the dead hand to open the door. And we go into that room. And
1: we should probably say that this room is based on The Hills Have Eyes.
0: Specifically the remake.
1: Yeah. Which is one of the best remakes of all time.
0: I have a little disagreement with you on that, but that's fine. It, it. I mean, I will say this: it is freaking intense. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, it like, just didn't... it's
1: not a crappy remake.
0: No, it's not a crappy remake. I agree with you. It's just not one of my favorite remakes.
1: That's okay. We've yeah. we've talked about how wrong you were in multiple times. You always tell podcast. me how wrong I. I was <laughs> kidding, um, but no, yeah, you're not. I am. <laughs> and but yes, it is
0: a very very intense movie. I will give you that.
1: So then we get into the room and we're all just kind of like wondering what to do next and he's checking doors and all of a sudden one of the family comes busting through the door with an axe and starts swinging it and I love 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 the fact that it actually hits the ground like it's those little things man like because like you know whenever you go to to a haunt or somewhere most of the time it's like oh i'm gonna make it look like i'm swinging really hard and then i'm not gonna hit the floor so you don't hear the sound but the fact that he was actually swinging and hitting the floor like even if it wasn't like like powerful it added so much to that part because it's like oh crap he's swinging an axe like he's really swinging it and he's trying to hit him Mm -hmm. and it's like you forget for a second that you're you're in like theater environment
0: oh and also but the reverse happened which is it's funny because i didn't register what you just said i registered the next move Mm -hmm. which is when the actor who was being attacked had a bat yeah and he turns and he actually hits the other actor and you hear the thud. Yeah. Because I'm sure, I'm sure somewhere there was padding. I'm sure somewhere, there, I'm sure it was a safe situation. It's real, man. But you heard the impact and it was like, whoa, they're actually going after each yeah, other. That was
1: going to be what I was going to say next too, but yeah. that was, oh, that right. was perfect. <laughs> yeah. Like, just, like you never realize how much sound plays into an experience. Oh yeah. You know, and I'm not even talking background music. I'm talking like. The like things you take for granted, like things like that, like mm-hmm. hitting someone with a bat. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> really.
1: Bats <laughs> <laughs> are pretty neat thing to hit people with lately. Okay. That's all I'm going to say about that.
0: Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Mason. Okay, um, and then from there.
1: And then from there, we escape. Uh, we get. We are told to run into. Into Through this doorway, and that doorway is actually an elevator.
0: Afraid, yeah, like an old-style freight mm-hmm. elevator.
1: And as we're going down, you just see that family member just staring at you, and it's one of the creepiest things ever. It was
0: a great image.
1: Yep. So we go downstairs to the floor we entered on, and we think, hey, okay, cool, that's it. That's not it.
0: Because you meet the curator of the museum. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't open the door to the freight elevator. She keeps us in there. And she basically says, hey, like, you know, you're part of the artwork. Like, fear is what we're talking about here, and you are in fear. So, uh, and she has a little bit of a spiel, and in the middle of that, Carrie shows up, which I don't know if everyone in the freight elevator could see Carrie when she first arrived. I was far enough over to the left in the elevator that I could see Carrie. And Carrie comes out and does something similar to what's known from the book and the movie as like, she takes control of mother and she using her telekinetic powers moves the curator away from the door. And Carrie is telling us that it's time for us to get out and the door starts to open, but there's a scream and the scream is from you. (laughs) Not the first one. (laughs) (laughs) The first scream comes from above. And everyone in the elevator looks up and Brundlefly, because one of the movies that they are doing this re-release on Blu-ray is uh, David Cronenberg's The Fly. Brundlefly is above us and literally plummets the, what? That would be like two stories? Down into us into the freight elevator with us. And he's stopped by the female voice outside the freight elevator and he turns and he says, but I must feed. And Carrie is keeping the mother at bay and we are told, now is the time to leave. You have to get out of here. So the final scare of Brundlefly, like literally on a wire coming down through the elevator shaft was great for me. And yes, I did scream.
1: You physically jumped. Yeah. To the side, yeah, and screamed,
0: yeah, I did. Because,
1: you know, you just—I don't know if you're going to put this this part in the in the freight elevator because before we were talking about this, um, I asked him to describe this part because I had seen the that the fly above. Because when I'm in a strange, an unfamiliar place, all I do is look around. I try to get my bearings and everything. And what did you say to me?
0: You want me to repeat, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I said sometimes it pays not to be present, right, because and it means the scares can get you, <laughs>
1: but was I present, or was I not present, because to me, watching you knowing what was coming was being the most present of all, so <laughs> really? i don't I don't need to be scared to be present, I just need to be aware, and okay. watching you physically jump a foot to your side I and did. scream was. The highlight for me <laughs> and I'm not making fun of you it no. was just like because you know we always I always tease you about getting scared and it's like the ah you know when you do like the oh sho- my
0: god you just physically imitated me perfectly I know <laughs> oh <laughs> I've been god. through
1: enough haunts with you but you do that you and it's just like a shoulder shrug but to see you actually jump like your whole body lift up into the air and move yeah. like that's saying something
0: it did it got me it was i was totally not expecting it and to hear him scream and then i look up and literally this character is flying down a two story elevator shaft and lands among our group and says that he has to feed it was it was a great scare and yeah i i screamed and jumped and it got me uh, and then to save ourselves, we have to rush out of the building. Uh, and then we went and shopped for Blu-rays. Um, this was such a nice pop-up event. Um, man, kudos to 20th Century Fox Home Entertainment, The Great Company, and Delusion. You guys nailed this. You knocked it out of the park. Uh, it, it, like This was so much fun.
1: Like, this was perfection. Yes. You know, and, like, it... We always talk about how to get more people involved and interested in immersive theater. I think this is a great, like, first step. Right. Because people are going to go to this thinking, it's like, oh, it's just a haunted house. But, oh, wait a minute, I can talk to the actors? Oh, wait a minute, I can do this? And I think they're going to explore more of that.
0: I I hope so. And, yeah, and the buzzword, you know, on the corporate side of things, the buzzword is experiential marketing. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's you know this is falling into that category, and the, the it pop up was like that. Do
1: you know what the best part of experiential marketing is? Which is it's free for uh, us because uh, it's this marketing.
0: Was an event that was free. All you had to do was sign up online for a time slot.
1: Bring it, Hollywood!
0: Yeah, absolutely. This Please, so much fun. Now, one thing I did find, Mike, I found on YouTube a basic walkthrough of this um, from Inside the Magic, which uh, they cover uh, theme park stuff uh, and theme park related things. They actually have a video walkthrough that is pretty good. They don't catch the scare from above in the freight elevator that we just uh, referenced, the one that got me so good, but it gives you a flavor of what this was. And I think we should put that link in the show notes. Sure. And uh, thank you to Inside the Magic for putting that up on YouTube. Uh, It's, um, I thought they captured... The scenes really, really well. And you will see a fairly good representation of that moment of, of people coming through the, the backlit plastic in 28 days later, which was such an effective moment. Yeah. This was, like I said, worth coming back from Vegas for one freaking night <laughs> to go to this with you guys.
1: And also, you know, with delusion being involved, this makes me so much more excited and hungry for them to return next year. Oh yeah because this is just a teaser of what they can do
0: yeah this this is so much fun so much fun
1: so russell you mentioned that the art prints that came with these movies and you mentioned that the the covers are redone um the covers are redone in a kind of dia de los muertos style
0: uh it does have that vibe too several of them do have that vibe to it
1: and speaking of dia de los muertos you went to fallen saints
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nice segue <laughs> uh yes which unfortunately by the time this podcast comes out uh the uh, the the run will have ended unless they do an extension but fallen saints Dias de los Muertos uh i never pronounce that correctly Dias de los di, deus de los muertos something like that close enough bueno. hopefully. <laughs> thanks um we talked about Force of Nature Productions and they did a teaser of this show that lasted like I think 12 to 15 minutes at Midsummer Scream earlier this year. This was the mythology of La Rona presented through a play which explores the community behind the woman of that mythology. Why did she choose to make the choices that she did? Why did she choose to commit murder? So it, that's the, the mythology that they're playing with, but they do it through Day of the Dead, colors and costuming and makeup and music, and it's a very tragic tale, but it's presented in all of these vibrant reds and greens and blues, and everything that you see is so colorful and and beautiful. It was a really nice production, very much in line with what they did the Midsummer Scream. I think the tone was about the same. Um I, this just is one of those things where it's such a nice production and it was such a different offering during the haunt season. That's the cool thing about some of the theater stuff that that we're, we're going to be talking about for the next few minutes. We are you. Me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, cause I, I am more of a theater nerd than you. Uh, congratulations again on force of nature productions. Keep an eye out for, future work by these guys. And by the way, uh, they seem to be making this a Halloween tradition. They also do a Christmas show, not not scary or creepy Christmas show, but they always do a Christmas show, it seems. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they bring up this year for the for the holidays. I went and saw their holiday show last year, and it was a ton of fun.
1: So because I didn't get to go to the show, what was it a continuation of what happened at Midsommar scream or was it some yes, of the same? Or? It was,
0: it was, it was a continuation. Um, you set up the mythology that this woman is sort of trapped between life and death and she doesn't understand what exactly unfolded in her life. She has forgotten. And, On the Day of the Dead, all the spirits come back and refresh her memory as to how she affected each of them. Oh, okay. And there is so much death and destruction in this story. It is unbelievable. (laughs) There's a lot of murder going on in this thing. Uh, It was really highly enjoyable. Very beautiful to watch. Um... So, you know, more power to Force of Nature Productions. I would keep an eye on things that they have coming up in the future. I did see their Christmas show last year. I would recommend checking that out, whatever they offer for the Christmas holidays this year. And um, I've seen a couple of productions from Force of Nature now, and, and they're just a fun company. They really are. Um, if you want more information, look up FONproductions.com on the web. Uh, for Facebook, Prods. On Instagram, F-O-N prods. And on Twitter, F-O-N prods.
1: That's kind of like if I ever started like a cattle prodding company, it could be like Fawn Prods because of my last name,
0: Fawn Prods. You would name it Funprods, Fun Prods, <laughs> F-U-N. F-U. <laughs> 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 Anyways. <laughs> wow. Um, so yeah, and I've, I've done some other theater. And uh, one thing I want to point to is um, the final girl. Uh, from School of Night uh, which is uh, last year I talked about a production called Punch and Judy at the Fringe Festival this is the same production company that did that and it's written and directed by Christopher Johnson produced by Jen Albert Uh, the company is called The School of Night this runs through November 4th so there's still a chance to see this and I'm going to read their description about the final girl the School of Night is proud to present this postmodern potpourri of slasher horror, revenge tragedy, martial arts action, grand guignol, superhero origin, gladiatorial combat, vigilante crime, and sadomasochistic kink calculated to titillate, tantalize, tense, and terrify. The play contains violence, gore, sexuality, sexual violence, drug use, adult language, gunshots, and 80s nostalgia. No one under seventeen will be admitted.
1: That sounds amazing.
0: Uh, they deliver all of the above. Not particularly out blood, but a lot of blood, but there is a lot of there's a lot of violence, a lot of sexual content. This is definitely an adult oriented show. Um, what they do is the first half of this show is sort of a recreation of an eighties slasher movie live on stage. Uh, They have a woman doing a wonderful sort of riff on the Loomis character from the Halloween series. You have cliche characters, the kids that die because they go to a cabin, that kind of thing. There's a lot of cliches that you will recognize, but they're all just riffed on, you know, uh, really fondly and affectionately. And then halfway through the show, they offer a huge plot twist, which I can't reveal, which leads this whole story into completely different territory. Now, one thing about this, you're talking about realistic violence. Um, This has a great deal of violence in it. And actually, the producer is also the fight choreographer, Jen Albert. Um, Punch and Judy, which I mentioned from last year, it was a very violent show because that's the nature of Punch and Judy shows. Um, This is a very stylized type of fight choreography. They don't go for realistic violence necessarily, but they do go for extremely athletic Gymnastic style violence. Hmm. There's a lot of throwing. There's a lot of jumping. There's there's It's very very physically active. This cast throws themselves into all of the fight sequences Uh, This was a lot of fun And it was first of all It's fun to sort of see someone riffing on this on the 80s slasher genre live on stage and Mike they actually do a credit sequence no way from a slasher picture. And it references very specifically a 1980s slasher movie credit sequence. And they sort of pay homage to it live on stage. And they have actors using props actually acting out the credit sequence animation from one of the 80s slasher movies. And if you know the slasher movie, you'll recognize it as it's happening. So, and at the end of this show, there's a credit sequence. They, they, so they, this is all loving, tongue in cheek, but it's also a really nice riff on what's going on. And like I said, the second half of the show, they take it into really unfamiliar territory and they do some really wacky twists with the plot and the characters that you think you know so well. Um, I really had a blast at this. Uh, this is not going for high art, this is going for fun, energetic, let's be goofy like let's really show our love of 80s slasher movies live on stage. And and I think they succeed very well with that. Uh, Like I said, their run for the final girl is uh, it's in Hollywood. It ends November 4th. If you want more information, look up their website at schoolofnight.org. on Facebook, school of night theater. And that's theater with R E at the end on Instagram, school of night and on Twitter, school of night, L a, Okay, Mike, and I've got one other play. I thought you had two more. So, Well, well, one of them is also kind of a haunt. But, okay. Okay, so play-wise, Collaborative Artist Ensemble, which is in North Hollywood. Uh, some people local to this podcast may know the Avery Schreiber Playhouse, that area. Uh, they, the Collaborative Artist Ensemble is producing Afterlife, A Ghost Story by Steve Yockey and directed by Steve Girard. Okay, this runs through November 12th. Now, I'm going to read the description of this uh, from their website, the kind of a a plot summary, Uh, and and I'm going to comment on it afterwards. There's a reason I want to read their description. The story involves an impending storm forces troubled couple Connor and Danielle to return to their beachfront home for the first time since they lost their son. While they reluctantly attempt to secure their house and also try to pick up the pieces of their fractured lives, they are welcomed by dead fishes littering the shore, enormous blackbirds that appear to be waiting and watching, and a familiar voice whispering from the waves calling to them. The storm hits sooner than expected, and they are thrust into another dimension where they must confront their tragedy and learn how to cope with the pain of remembering before they are swept away forever. Okay, this piece is is kinda out there, but I wanted to draw some attention to it because the cast is so strong and it's a really good production. The first half of the show is exactly as that description, you know, would indicate there's a storm coming, there's a beachfront house that needs to be, you know, storm windows put up, et cetera. And this couple who lost their son to drowning in the ocean returns to this site. So obviously there's tension. There's tension between the two of them. They can't quite agree on what to do. And the tension builds. And then the storm hits. So the second half of the show is a truly bizarre twist. And in that description, when it says they are thrust into another dimension, that's literal. And you actually enter another dimension where the child is present. Where the wife confronts characters that may or may not represent Mother Nature, the storm itself, the ocean. And she wrestles literally with her conscious coming to terms with you can't control nature. And is she to blame for the death of their son or is nature to blame for the death of their son? This is odd territory. As I was watching it, I was was at one point thinking of... You know Samuel Beckett's waiting for Godot, or waiting for Godot, depending on how you think about it. That's what I was just thinking about so, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you were. Um, think of early Edward Albee work, like this is heady theater stuff. The the cast tackles it head on. They do a great job, but it is very surreal feeling. It, it just like veers from realism into surreal into a surrealistic another dimension sort of weird twilight zone aspect which i found appealing and i thought well performed but i got to admit this is not for everyone this is this is hard to get into sometimes um it's like the most philosophical twilight zone episodes which sometimes are not the favorite episodes of fans um i enjoyed it if you want a really trippy heady experience i would recommend checking afterlife a ghost story out cool Their website is collaborativeartistensemble.com or on Facebook, Collaborative Artists Ensemble, Instagram, Collaborative Artists Ensemble. And they have some beautiful pictures on their Instagram account from this production. Okay, I think the next thing you were talking about when you made reference to two plays, I think you were referring to uh, the other thing that I went to. Yes. Now, we know several people who had um, mentioned Caden Project, Walls Grow Thin, to us by Rogue Artist Ensemble, which is presented in association with East-West Players. Now, this runs through November 5th. Okay, this uh, this is a very, very unique event, Mike. Um, and again, I'm going to read a description from the website. You receive a letter from a woman who is haunted by a mysterious event in her past, and she needs your help. When you arrive at her family's warehouse, you ascend to the fifth and sixth floors in a creaky old elevator followed by a voice that calls out through the shadows, a voice that may not be human. They describe this as a multi-sensory, immersive, site-specific experience refracting ancient Japanese ghost stories through a modern multicultural lens, revealing the noise of our histories and the silences that haunt us. So this is a play, sort of. It's also a haunt, sort of. It's an immersive theater piece. You go to this warehouse. And very quickly, you kind of learn that the employers, members of this family, have been hearing noises. And there is this woman who has disappeared, but they think she's around. They, they, they catch glimpses of her. They hear her. So your duty is you go explore. And this is presented in a style reminiscent of Japanese theater where there's mask work. There's puppetry. There's very stylized acting performances. And then in some rooms, it's completely a natural performance. And you get pulled in to certain tasks and to certain rooms yourself. Uh, You break off from your group every now and then to experience shorter, smaller scenes. It is definitely an immersive piece that has you wandering through this factory, which is haunted by various things. So I, I won't say, Mike, that... I was, I, 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 this didn't hit me on a heavy emotional level because of the style of, there's so much puppetry and mask work that I found that I, and this is a personal thing with me. I find that style of theater a bit distancing. So it it wasn't as easy as me for me to jump in and, and like emotionally invest, but it's beautiful and it's very stylized and I highly recommend it just go in knowing that you're going to be seeing mask work and puppetry and all of that, mm-hmm. which they don't really describe, but I'm not giving anything that I think is a spoiler either. And then when you get toward the end, um, the story takes a really wacky wild turn and it's gets really freaky and bizarre. And there are really long, long, really long stretches that feel like a haunt where you're going through and, at and, One of my favorite things, I I don't want to be too specific, but you're left alone and you're sort of, you're sort of told, um, yeah, you're on your own and I'll meet you later.
1: Oh, that's always fun.
0: And along the way, and, and you're given an instruction along the way, keep an eye out for this. And so you, like you, you have to make the decision of what are you supposed to be keeping an eye out for? And do you, is it something you will need later? Or is it something you leave alone? Is it some, and if you're paying attention during the show, there are clues throughout the show that tell you what you need. And so you, by the end, as, you're, as your group is going through, you come together and you gather what you need to perform, let's just say, a, a certain thing, a ritual a ceremony that needs to be performed at the end of the show. But you're part of that. They pull you in and you become part of the solution for the problem that is haunting this building. That's really nice. Along the way, there are some absolutely stunning visuals. There is some use of blacklight. There is use of puppetry uh, in, in ways that really will take you by surprise. And yeah, they they got me once. I didn't, I don't think I jumped, but I did scream. Because <laughs> like, like, you know, you're in a dark room and something suddenly appears right next to you. That moment happened for me. And I, I did scream like a little girl, just like, absolutely <laughs> I'm like, damn it. You got me. Uh, and it was fun. It was, it was absolutely very fun. And, um, I, I recommend this, the, the visuals are so striking in so many places that that's, that's the thing that carried me. I, I got to admit the story didn't pull me in as much as I would love to have had happen, but the visuals and the interactions did pull me in. That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely recommend this. And like I said, they do run through November 5th. Uh, rogue Artist Ensemble, you can find them on the web at rogueartists.org. If you go to that site, uh, I think you have to click on a tab that says Our Work, and that will lead you to a link for Caden Project Walls Grow Thin. Uh, also, you can find them on Facebook at Rogue Artists, and check them on Instagram at rogue underscore artist, and Twitter is rogue underscore artists.
1: So then we went to a familiar place. uh we went to this place last year as well uh Coffin Creek, located in Corona, and just off the bat, like I had i mean comparing it to last year, this year was much
0: better. It's interesting this is something that has grown so much in one year,
1: yeah, because they have an adjacent Renaissance fair on the property and the people that, I guess, own the Renaissance Fair? I'm, I'm I not sure. I think they do. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but they did a haunt and a haunted hayride and also had an escape room. And they combined forces. So you can buy one ticket and go to all five of these things except the escape room. The escape room is an additional cost on top of the ticket. So for one ticket, you get five haunts. And that's the Haunted Asylum... And that's at Coffin Creek, the catacombs of Guasti Cemetery, also at Coffin Creek, the Prado Witch Trail at Coffin Creek and outside in the woods, which is awesome. Yes. Um, and then up at the the Renaissance Fair part of it, it's the Shady Hollow Hayride, and it's an actual hayride, and the Dark Realm. A which, very lengthy
0: hayride, by the way. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. And that actually, now that you're mentioning that, one thing I want to compliment them on before we even start talking to them is the length of their haunts. Their, oh, yes. their mazes are so long. Mm-hmm. And, you know, cause like you get kind of used to going to, um, say like a universal or any, anyone else that hasn't like multi haunts on the property. And there may be like a few minutes, like walkthrough. Right. And this, if, what was it like 10 to 15? It, it, it feels like that. Yeah. yeah. Now, like I said, Coffin Creek's located in Corona, and it is somewhat of a drive, especially if you're living in L.A. Well, especially for you, Russell, because you live (laughs) in the Valley, Um, but it's worth it. Like, this is such a great night. The lines are not crazy. Um, You won't be, at least the night we went, we went on a Sunday. The lines were great. Um, I can't say on a Saturday or Friday night if they would be the same. There'd definitely probably be more people there, Um, but... They're all manageable,
0: yeah, definitely,
1: so we got there, and the first haunt we went to was the catacombs maze, and mm-hmm. that's the catacombs of guasti cemetery and some few a few things have changed since last year, they made some some definite tweaks, but overall, like this was awesome, like yeah, but- I love this one so much, like the things that they do and the the you walk through and you believe you're in a dungeon and you believe that there's these haunted monks and like just kind of chasing you
0: around and tormenting your soul. <laughs> the production design in this one is my favorite of all five attractions. Mine too. It just, it is, you feel at times you feel like you're underground when you aren't at times you feel like you are exploring catacombs of a castle, which it just, it, it's an achievement. It really is. Um, it, it, it's, it's such a beautiful maze and they have put a lot of work into the look and the feel and the vibe of it and another thing is it's one of those mazes where you don't see every jump scare coming because a lot of them are hidden very well in the architecture of the building which is really nice and at times you have characters above you and at times you have characters coming at you from different angles than you would normally expect And sometimes the rooms open up into bigger rooms than you think, and there's scares hidden where you wouldn't expect them in larger rooms. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a a good layout.
1: And the thing about this one, too, one of the changes they had from last year is um, you may have physical contact (laughs) happen to you (laughs) at one point Uh, because you are being judged for your sins. And if you're guilty, you may receive a punishment from... Someone, you know,
0: and, uh, we both received punishment. Sure did
1: <laughs> <laughs> surprising punishment, <laughs> but I mean, this one, I mean, this one is just so great because it's so dark and creepy inside and the use of the lights, the, like the lighting in there is just perfect. Um, and exactly what you said, the way they have it set up, you can have a scare happen where you do just do not expect it. And that happened a couple times for me. Mm And it definitely happened to you because I heard you and saw (laughs) you. And yeah, I mean, this one, this was a great start to the night.
0: From there, we went to the haunted asylum of Coffin Creek.
1: Yes. And luckily we were not returning patients like last year. (laughs) Um, Because last year we did scare for a bit in this maze. Which was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, But this year we, we went just to visit our old friends again. And same thing like the i mentioned the sounds when we were talking about um about horror rewind mm-hmm. and this the same thing because you're in a mental institution and you hear voices and the voices get crazier and creepier the further you get, get into the maze and i thought that was a really nice touch cuz that wasn't there last year
0: something else i'd like to point out about this um when you are going through a maze, traditionally, one of the things that, you, that plays on your mind is the layout and shape of room to room to room. And one of the things that I really like about The Haunted Asylum is, I'm sure you noticed, Mike, I don't know if you registered with you as you were going through it, or if you've thought about it, do you realize how many rooms in this maze are not rectangle or square? No, I that I didn't even think about that. So many of these rooms are actually built where the walls are angled in weird ways. Because, you know, we live our lives in rectangles and squares, architecturally speaking. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's so if you enter a space that is round, some people will find it comforting. If you enter a space that is disjointed and has weird angles, it, it plays with your brain. And if you think about the way we walk through this maze, there are hallways that get narrower or wider. There is, you'll walk into a room at an angle and the wall across from you is actually not across from you. It's kind of an angled wall. How many times did that happen? If you think back into Hmm. this maze, probably every, almost every room, almost every room, especially as you get into it more, it's like they get smaller and they get weirder angles. And I love that about this maze. Because that, that's part of what makes it feel crazy, you know, and then suddenly you walk outside and you're on a ramp and you don't know where the ramp is leading you. I mean, that's another nice moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have an actor playing with the, the patrons on the ramp and threatening them. And so there's a much, there's much about this maze to praise in the way it's laid out and constructed. I think that's why this maze feels so weird. Is because of the shape of the rooms. Well, and another thing I said, we, we were in, basically checked
1: in last, last year mm-hmm. as patients. Um, some of the patients seemed to remember us and the doctors and stuff. <laughs> yes. Which was a nice added touch. Um, <laughs> there were times when they would actually ask for Russell and I by name. Yeah. Walking through. And
0: it was creepy as hell. Yeah. Because you don't expect it. Especially when it comes from behind a wall. Yeah. <laughs> that was weird. Uh, but very effective. Absolutely.
1: And this one had a couple of kids. Yes. Checked in, which so cute. Yeah. Like, you know, but it's like so creepy at the same time. And I don't I'm sorry, know.
0: I'm chuckling because uh, do you remember what the little girl did with her doll? Yes. <laughs> go for it. No, go ahead, man. Yeah you brought so, it up. no it's just like we at one point we were there was a little girl near the end of the maze and she's playing with a doll and she just rips the head off the doll <laughs> just like, like oh i'm playing with my dolly
1: rip and when he says little girl like he means it she was probably like what's like six or seven probably yeah
0: yeah so- it was <laughs> yeah it, it was a creepy image that's for sure
1: Uh, And then after that, we went to the Prado Witch Trail, which is outside in the middle of the woods. And this was one of the best experiences just because it's outside in the woods. Yeah. I mean, for the uh, most part, Southern California doesn't have woods that you can actually, you know, you can go hiking and stuff. But most of these places don't allow you to go at night.
0: Right. And this is sort of a... Uh, I, bog is extreme, but it, it is a, it's a moist area mm-hmm. because it's lower <laughs> on the property area. It's because, moist yeah. and it's lower. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> How old are you? <laughs> <laughs> um. So we walk down a hill to get to this thing, and it's it's kind of at the bottom, the, like the lowest point of the property. And at times, you actually they've put boards down to to help traction of your shoes, but th- it's like the ground is a little mucky and a little muddy. And you, if you're going to Coffin Creek, be aware uh, that that you might want to wear shoes that you know will get a little bit dirty if you go through the Prada Witch Trail. It's cooler down there, also, which adds to the creepy feeling because it doesn't feel like the rest of the property. You mm-hmm. actually like you can feel the temperature change as you approach this thing. It it's like an
1: invisible line. It's yeah. It's literally it doesn't just tra- like uh like transcend into that. Yeah. It's like. Here is hot, here is not.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's a very, very creepy atmosphere. So, And they do give you a somewhat dim flashlight to find your way through the woods. Uh, there is a storyline. You are looking for a lost child. And along the way, you do find evidence of the child. Which just adds to the creepiness yeah. because this is could be real. The one sequence in particular where you find where the child had been staying... That was a sequence that really got to me.
1: Yeah, that's... Um, when you stumble upon that, it's kind of... It kind of hits home, like, oh, oh.
0: Yeah, something violent may have happened.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just seeing everything around there, and... Yeah.
0: It looks like the... After, it looks like you've stumbled upon a crime scene, is, what, is the feeling that you get. and you real, And since you were told that it was a child that was missing, that makes it all the more disturbing.
1: And one of the coolest parts about this maze is at the end, because... You see this technique used inside, but you don't really see it used outside. Mm -hmm. And it just, it, it added a lot to that exit.
0: Through the use of lighting and fog, they create a very, very creepy ending for the witch trail. Mm -hmm. And let's just say you may find the child. (laughs) 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 Or the child may find you. (laughs) Oh boy. Oh and then we went up the hill mm-hmm. to the Renfair
1: area. And you don't have to drive. It's a short walk and it's in the dark and it's awesome. I mean there's some guided like like path lights and everything, yeah. but it's maybe it was what maybe a 5 minute
0: walk if that. Yeah, it was less than half a mile probably. It was probably a quarter of a mile. Yeah. Which and is nothing. Yeah, and it was it was dark and it, we were outdoors and there were pale lights along the way to make sure we didn't get lost. And, it and was...
1: you stumble upon a Renaissance village. Yes, exactly. And
0: the With first... funnel cake.
1: Yeah, the funnel cake was good. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they had only one traditional haunt and that was the Dark Realm. And this, if you're into Dungeons & Dragons, if you're into Lord of the Rings... If you're into Renfairs, you will lose your mind over this one. I'm not the hugest fan of that stuff, but even I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. Because they, I guess this place is done by LARPers. And so they have all that experience of talking about dragons and orcs and stuff like that. So it's really believable when you go into this this haunt because it's like a castle and you have a knight that leads you through some of it and you know, is there to protect you. And he has a sword and you know, like just like the people that come and the creatures that appear, it just, it's perfect. It's just so well done.
0: And very different in feeling than anything else I've done this entire haunt season.
1: Yeah. Because of course there's monsters. There's always monsters, but it's not the traditional bloody monsters it's you know it's exactly if you watch lord of the rings and you have those monsters come after you
0: yeah it's a very different style uh it's it's led for the most part and they tell you a story and you know they protect you or they tell you to save yourself and there's like it's all part of a story and the again the production design here is really really nice yeah
1: this one was great and then we ended the night by going on the haunted hayride and I like that they used bales of hay instead of the L.A. hay ride, where it's just hay strewn about so it can get inside your clothes and stuff. Um, This was a bit more comfortable because also you're not sitting flat. You could sit above and like you're kind of like you're on a chair. chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So I like that part of it. But the thing – the issue I had with this one is that there was really not a lot of lighting. So you couldn't see – the structures that people were coming from, you could barely see the people. So if there was something happening, you hear a scream and, but you really see darkness and it it didn't add to the creepiness factor for me.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, I agree that in certain areas I felt like there could have been more lighting. They, they did in certain areas. I'm thinking like near the very end where two characters come out of a building, you know, they obviously lit the front of that structure for that reason. Uh, it's still under the moonlight stars, whatever. It it still has a creepy vibe, but I do see what you're talking about. The, uh, there was, a, there were a lot of people in the dark talking to us as we drove by on the hayride. Yeah. And it, yeah, it was just and growling at us. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and just screaming.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, could, could have been a little bit more effective. There were a couple of, uh, things that did play effectively. But uh, I agree with you in the fact that it could have been lit a little bit better.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, this isn't. This is fun to have um, when you have four other haunts to go on. It's definitely a nice thing to do and break up the monotony of going through a ha- haunted house after haunted house after haunted house. Um, but it's definitely not the destination to go. It's
0: not the strongest of the five attractions.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah,
0: I agree with that. Um, but did did enjoy it? I got to admit.
1: Mm-hmm. So. I know Coffin Creek is a drive for most people, but it's seriously, it's so worth it to check out. Um, and you can find them on the web at coffincreek.com, uh, on Facebook, search for Coffin Creek on Instagram and Twitter, Coffin Creek.
0: And they are open Halloween night. Speaking of haunts that we did last year, Mike, I was on my way to something else to meet with friends last night. And I managed to stop by the Backwoods Maze in Burbank, California. Awesome! Uh, this is a really well-known home haunt. Uh, they run on donations, and they are awesome. And again, really strong entry, and uh, they are open Halloween night. And it's uh, the line can get a little long. But they pack so much into a home haunt. It's an actual maze. The production design is out of this world. Huge oversized props, robots. There's a couple of live actors in the maze that will give you a couple of scares. Um, I went through and I went through with one other person who was there. And uh, we both got a couple of really good jump scares uh, going through this. And again, the production design is just out of this world. It's, It's... such a fun the, the, you, you turn a corner in this thing and you go like how did they even build this or get this in this backyard huge oversized props um there's there was some more laboratory feeling stuff this year mike i think they did more with um video displays um i noticed one of the actors was sort of changing some controls on something right before we were about to walk through a room. Uh-oh. So yeah, it was kind of like, why are you messing with that screen? <laughs> and like, what are you controlling over there? Um, so yeah, that was a nice touch. And it's just, it's a really well-known, good, good, good quality home haunt. A very popular in the Burbank area. And, you know, recommend if you can make it out there, uh, support them, uh, throw them some little cash after you go through. And um, I will say this, It's fairly family-friendly, but the the group before me, Mike, had kids ranging from about, I think, 6 to 10, and it was a little much for them. It was a little too intense. And apparently for 20-year-olds as well. (laughs) Uh, before we started recording, I told Mike the story that uh, I was waiting in line with a couple of people and two guys. And we were just comparing what we'd been doing during the haunt season. And we're about to go in. And one of the guys turns around and is like, oh, I'm not going to go through. And even the guy who runs the Backwoods Maze, the guy who was running the line, were like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> And he walks away and he looks at the other the two of us. And I didn't know the guy. He was a friend of the person who I got grouped with. And he's like, how old is that guy? And like, well, he was like 22. And he's not, he's not, What? go tell him that it's not that scary. (laughs) I was like, no, 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 we're fine. We're fine. And so we went through and, and the, the, so I went with, as a two person group with this other guy who I didn't know, and we had some good jump scares and it was fun and we had a blast. So, um, yeah, the Backwoods Maze is always dependable. So if you want more information on them, you can find them. They do have a Facebook uh, page at the Backwoods Maze and they do have an Instagram page at the backwoods maze and their instagram account has some really really nice images on it well russell it's time again time for the lust experience
1: hello the lust experience
0: yeah fine whatever the well, Lust what experience dun, you- dun, dun. oh ah i'm sorry you were expecting the sound effect
1: well, yeah, that's what happens, right?
0: Yeah, but that's, I mean, you would expect that because that's kind of like predictable behavior from me, right? It's part of the podcast. Yeah, but I don't always have to behave predictably. You certainly don't. I
1: don't know what you're talking about. Is this because I ordered chicken and not steak? No. The other
0: day? Whatever. Anyways. So, anyway, let's talk about the lust experience. Lust.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay, Mr. Editor. <laughs> it's all on your power. I whatever. can be
0: unpredictable, too.
1: No, you can't. Um, so, yeah. So, since the last podcast, um, right after we recorded that, I got a phone call from someone named Mary. And it seems that Mary was part of the 91 Pencil Pushers that Brian Bishop made a decision about and that we all assume are being killed by Mason. Um, So she called me and she started telling me that I didn't know her, but she really knew me because she was one of the people that was inputting my data. Um, So she was definitely working at OSDM and she would tell me that she listened to the podcast and she'd read the forums and all of that information she would put into the computer. So she, she probably knows you too, then Russell, probably
0: um, to some degree.
1: Um, but she said that she's running and it isn't sure where to go. And that they were up to 11 or 12 at that point. I took that to mean that that's how many people Mason had killed so far. Um, and she said she'd never been to Paris and she had a daughter named Samantha that she hasn't spoken to in eight years. And that kind of struck me as odd. And we're not finding out any clues like we can't figure anything out because like that was something like the community jumped in it's like okay do we know anyone named samantha what happened in paris and things and we haven't really seen anything yet so i don't know if that that will lead to somewhere down the road um but the weird thing was is she ended the call by saying i'm sorry and it was one of those i'm sorry i'm sorry and then the phone went dead and there was a weird sound like right before the phone went dead. So I don't like, it was kind of like almost like an industrial type sound. Um, but yeah. Uh, so that was an odd and random call to get. Okay, But what's even odder is while I was on this phone call with her, I was getting a call waiting. And, you know, because whenever you get a no caller or ID call, it's like, Oh my God, you know, something's about to happen. When you're on a no-caller ID call and then you get call waiting on a no-caller ID call, it's like, holy crap, what do I do? Like, you know, because obviously I'm, I'm hearing about something happening, but obviously then there's something else that's, that wants to happen. It's like, what do you do? Um, so I, I finished Mary's call and luckily I got a call back and um, Mason was calling on the other end. Hmm. And the conversation went into me suggesting that he might need some help based on the 91 meetings at that point, or, you know, after that call, probably 80 or 79 meetings <laughs> at that point. Um, and he actually agreed and he asked me to send him a resume. And so I, you know, like, cause he said that despite people thinking he's a psychopath, he likes to do things professionally. He likes to have the I's dotted and the T's crossed and he likes to do things properly. Uh, so that night I sent him a resume mm, okay.
0: <laughs>
1: and I put some of the skills that many people don't know about, like from growing up in new England, you know, people go hunting, they go fishing. And I mentioned some of those skills like gutting fish and not being squeamish when that happens and being able to rip guts out of living things and having no emotion about it mm-hmm. things like that yeah things that could help a situation like this and what what he's doing um so i sent him the resume and he actually posted the resume in slack that night and was saying that he might have a new friend and everyone was theorizing about who it was and almost instantly people were like it's mike because i did put some real life job stuff on there mm-hmm. um like because in you know, doing buying, you have to negotiate. So I figured a position like this might take some negotiation. Um, Uh so I figured that's a skill. Um, and I didn't confirm nor deny that it was mine because let's face it, I want this job. I don't want other people applying for it. So I didn't say that. I didn't say it was mine. Um, but it was, and I, I put that on the forums so after he posted the resume and said I might be his friend and that got me excited because that means the resume was looking good. Mm-hmm. Um, so fast forward, uh, maybe a week or so later, I got a call from someone and like this, this is so vague and I, and I apologize because I was actually at a vendor meeting. I was at a cardboard box factory like legit, <laughs> like learning how cardboard boxes got getting made. And it's fascinating.
0: I'm sure it is. It's actually. nothing
1: like that Simpsons episode. <laughs> um, but it was just at the start of the meeting. So I was able to run out and, and take it. Um, but after the call happened, I got about five more calls, like no caller ID calls. But I was in the middle of a factory. I couldn't take yeah,
0: it. It's, it. Sometimes you have to have a job.
1: Yeah. So I was <laughs> bummed because I don't know. Um, so I got... A call and the person at it was a man and he asked if I knew who it was and I was like no because it didn't sound like Mason it didn't sound like Noah um, but it sounded like he said I'm Allison's dad now Allison is very close to Addison but you know you can tell the difference between Addison yeah. and Allison and mm-hmm. it sounded like Allison um, because if it wasn't if it was Addison's dad if it was Tom Barrow's like, why not just say it's Tom or it's Tom right. Barrow. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so I don't know if that was actually lust related or if it was like a random game jack thing. But either way, um, I got that call, and there are certain points he would he would say something, but I wasn't able to hear because I was outside along a busy street, and so cars kept going by, and so I would be I would say things like "What" or "Okay," like that, and. He accused me of being a smart ass, which, you know, I am, but not in this context because I really couldn't hear and I wanted to keep the conversation going. So I was like, okay, okay. You know, like something like that. And he asked me if he could call me a friend based on all the crap that we've been through together. And I said, sure. And he proceeded to tell me that my other friends, and he said, friends, weird. He was like, your other friends have no idea what's even going on, even though they think they do, you know, it was kind of like that same message that we've heard, like throughout the last year, um, like you think, you know, but you don't like that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, it was definitely came off as a warning, but not really a threat, although it could have been a threat. Um, and then he, he said he'd be in touch and hung up. So it was kind of weird because You you haven't
0: heard back from this person.
1: No, not yet. So I don't know. Like, I don't know if in, and maybe the calls all happened because I posted in Slack saying, I got a call. I don't, I think it said Allison, but you know, and maybe they were calling back to clarify, um, or maybe they were calling back to say I messed up or, you know, I don't know. It's like, I have no idea, but apparently we, we still don't know what's coming. Yeah. And then last weekend, uh, I got a call from Mason again. Okay. And... He knows that I want the job, if there is a job to give. I sent my resume and he said he was very impressed with it. And um, he said he was going to give me a shot and to show him what I got. Now, when he said, show me what you got, he hung up. So there's no direction. No, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And um, yeah, so that happened. Um, and then, okay, so
0: there was no instruction, whether you're supposed to show him what you got, but like, was it, so there was nothing about being public or private or anything like that? Nope. Okay. This helps me.
1: So I did what I needed to do.
0: Um, yeah.
1: To impress some people.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. (laughs) Look,
1: just because you slipped and fell and got caught. And you cut yourself shaving, yeah, right? And I recorded it.
0: Doesn't mean anything. No, there was a video. I don't. I don't know how much I really want to get into this, man. You know the funny thing, Mike? What? (laughs) I consider you a good friend. Thanks. I I think people who listen to this podcast probably know that. You too. Thank you. Um, We have a history, you and I. I think. I, I think people who know as well, you know, our friends know that y- you have, you have surprised me a couple of times, you know how to scare me, you, uh, how many times have i driven up to an event and you've been waiting somewhere and you scare me while I'm still in my car? That never happens. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the last time was about two weeks ago that you did that. Maybe. <laughs> Um some people know that a couple years ago uh in front of your birthday I might have gone to another city gained access to a hotel room and set up an entire escape room for you by surprising you that way. Yeah. So you and I surprise each other sometimes. Yeah. So you I I've also like some people know this. Uh, I shot a promo for the Evil Twin Studios haunt a couple years ago and I Asked you if you'd be willing to do something for me, and you said yes, and you wound up in a straight jacket in the promo video for a haunt. Yes. Okay. So, I trust you, man. I, I think you trust me. Thanks.
1: That's your first mistake. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so... Some people don't understand how I could end up in a vulnerable position.
1: It's because you, when you never see it coming.
0: Yeah. So, there was a video... I didn't expect you to, I thought you were going to shoot some stills or something to make a point. And I didn't ask you for details because I trust you. You took me by surprise, man.
1: (laughs) I'm full of surprises.
0: And you know what? I have a great deal of respect for you for that. Thank you. It just, some people didn't understand how I might've wound up in that position, but yeah, it, it, it happened.
1: Well, I mean, on my resume, I said I know how
0: to stalk prey and bait traps. (laughs) Just saying. Which you did. Congratulations, man. Thanks. All right. So you put a video up of uh, sort of surprising me and scaring the crap out of me. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, you slipped and fell, hit yourself on a doorknob, (laughs) cut yourself shaving. (sighs) Okay. Anyways, like I said... I took that as an opportunity to impress some people, and I believe it did. And I got a call from Mason to choose an active member of the community and ask him questions. And I chose Brad. We went for coffee, and I asked him a few questions about things he's learned over the past couple months and how he would change himself. I asked him those questions, and he answered, and that's that.
0: Do you feel you satisfied the request of Mason? I definitely okay. feel that way.
1: Um, and I think Brad's a better person for it now.
0: Okay. And there was some fallout from that meeting with Brad.
1: There's fallout from everything.
0: <laughs>
1: wow. There, it's true. You're never going to have everyone agree with you. You're never going to have any everyone disagree with you. It's it's mixed. It's always going to be mixed. The reactions are always going to be mixed. Yeah. Um. You know, people identify with certain people, organizations. Yeah. And sometimes they don't. Um. People are questioning Brad's loyalty now, and, you know, that's that's something that he has to deal with now because I did not see any sort of unloyalty to a certain organization he's just following his path which is what we should all do but um you know earlier you were talking about videos um and why don't you explain yourself mr fancy
0: suit video guy uh, i'll explain myself as well as you explained yourself how's that <laughs> fair enough A couple of days after uh, that video of you um, surprising me, I received a piece of information. I was told that it was a piece of information that I should put out for public consumption, and I did. Um, I periscoped a video that said that I cannot tell how, but uh, I have it on very good authority that the Brierberg Group is a lie and does not actually exist. I I can't reveal how that was given to me.
1: That's fine. Don't freak out about
0: it. I was. I, it's just like it, it's
1: like there's. We all answer to somebody, Russell.
0: Yeah, and and I, I I'm answering to somebody.
1: I right, know you're included in all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm answering to myself right now. And and here's the weird thing, Mike. You know the reaction to that video. I I was. I did it very quickly and sort of in the heat of the moment. And uh, I was kind of surprised that everyone interpreted it as me being angry. And what was I angry at? Like, was I angry at the fact that I was told this information? Was I angry at the person who gave me the information? And nobody seemed to hit on what I thought was the most obvious answer to that. Do you have any guess as to why I might be angry? No. Why don't you tell me? Really? Yeah. (laughs) Briarburg is an organization which I think might be messing with and manipulating a good friend of mine. I don't know about that. I don't know either. But the idea that somebody might be doing that made me angry. Nobody seemed to connect it. But here's the thing.
1: We don't even know what Briarburg is. Exactly. I know that. But here's the thing. If it's a lie... Who cares? They're just called something else. They're just another organization. We and
0: there's so many, uh, for for lack of better word, corporate levels going on to this thing that nobody knows who answers to anybody. Right. But I, you know, I can't reveal my source. But I was surprised when everyone said, "Oh my God, you know, Russell is so angry." And here's the thing: is like, Mike, you've you've seen me angry. Hmm. Um. You, you, uh, probably on the anger scale. Okay, if we give Russell like an anger scale oh of God. one to ten, okay, <laughs> you have probably seen me at an eight.
1: Also, haunt related. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so that video is nowhere near even an eight. <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, you've seen me much angrier than that. You've never seen me full angry. You've you've never witnessed that. And I hope you don't. Just give me a chance. <laughs> Oh man, but no, it's like, it was, it was in reaction to my mind was spinning at that point. You know, I put the information out there and I was not in a position to answer questions because everyone said, well, what does this mean? What do you mean? Like, where did this come from? And like, I literally could not, because I didn't know, have the answers to some of the questions that were stated. But here's the thing. If Briarburg doesn't exist, you know,
1: what, like, what does that actually mean? You know, is it the name? Is it the foundation? Is it the people? You know, because I went to a meeting with quote unquote Briarburg, you mm-hmm. know, and with Jamie and Mason was there and Morgan. And what does this mean? And what we learn a couple days after your video, which we're, will we'll get to, right. What does that mean? Because if briarburg isn't real then it sounds like someone that you're very fond of might be working with those same people that aren't briarburg so who are they
0: oh i i totally see i see all of that here here's here's an analogy which i don't think anyone's made think of a money laundering front you you have a fake company you have a you have a name mm-hmm. you have a job you have you have cash you have a commodity that needs to be manipulated and cleansed okay well rather than cash what if that is information and data yeah i'm just gonna put the theory out there that uh Briarburg is in the business of laundering data right. to what
1: purpose i don't know and that's that's another thing if briarberg is a lie what exactly is the lie is it their mission? Is it the actual name? Is it the people? You know, there's so many different ways that could go because it's not—it's very vague.
0: I—I mm-hmm. I, I have always found their mission statement questionable.
1: <laughs> All I know is that they had some good people with them, like you know Miles and Stephanie, and yeah, they did. You know,
0: and maybe Joyce,
1: maybe. But I mean, why would they beat her to death, or allegedly beat her to death?
0: Well, the theory is to make a point to see how certain people would react, what actions would be taken.
1: Want to just go into the new video? Go for it. No, you, because this is this. She's she's your baby.
0: So uh, Brian Bishop was called to a uh, coffee shop in North Hollywood, and a Facebook video went live uh, where he he looks. It's funny. I love how people dissect the look and expressions of people in videos. (laughs) And at one point, I know in my video, I got distracted by a light and I glance off to the side. And (laughs) it's like, I'm sure somebody thinks I was not alone in the room. And it was like, no, I I noticed something shiny off in the corner. See,
1: when people say the
0: shiny things, it's
1: actually real. (laughs) This is proof.
0: (laughs) So, um, but he looked concerned and he looked surprised and he simply stated that he had been called to a coffee shop and He walked in and saw Joyce Who we believed had been beaten to death. So Joyce was not seen in that video. So people theorized that he might be faking this Mm -hmm. and to what purpose would that serve? Personally, I uh, I am comforted by the idea that Joyce is alive Okay. She reached out, you know, she came to my home and she expressed concern for me. She followed up with a phone call um, that indicated that I could be helpful to her. And she seemed, in person, she seemed to me to be someone that I could trust. Although trust has recently been getting me into tight places.
1: Anyways, um, you know what this means though. What? If Joyce is back and if... She was not in on the fake beating. She's probably going to want revenge. And she's probably going to have, you know, a quote unquote army, like probably you and Brian. And if she's going. She's not going to have a quote army. People, people like fled her. Anyways, my point is you and Brian with her, and if she's coming after Mason, we'll meet again. I might have a
0: few reasons to seek revenge upon people. I don't get the reference, but that's cool. I'm sensing tension in the room. <laughs> Pun intended? A hundred percent. Hey. <laughs> um,
1: anyways, so who knows about Joyce now, but uh, I had another interaction with Brad, and it's really, it really makes me smile to see how far he's coming along. Because one of the things that he wanted to change about himself was to be more assertive. And he had a task, and that task was to meet with somebody, it was his choice, and to air grievances with that person. And I was lucky enough to be there for him. Uh, I was there at that meeting, and he did exactly what he was supposed to do. And that's what I'm going to say about that.
0: Oh, so he did air his grievances.
1: Yes. Okay. And I believe he's becoming a stronger and better person because of that, because of
0: these tasks. So it sounds like if you are interpreting current events correctly, you see Berg doing good.
1: Yeah. Okay. I mean, some of the initial theories were that they were, you know, deprogramming people. Which is theoretically doing good too. Yeah. And helping.
0: They just want to help.
1: But who's to say Mason is still part of Briarburg at this point? Or Joyce? Yeah. We are in the thick of it right now. Yeah, we have no idea what's going on. But mid-season event tickets went on sale. And, of course, freaking OSDM puts it a one-weekend event the same weekend as the opening of Star Wars. (laughs) <laughs> like, that's just like them.
0: And uh, the weekend in December when the majority of Christmas parties will be happening, because it's like two weeks out from the Christmas holiday. No
1: one cares about the Christmas parties when the new Star Wars movie is opening.
0: <laughs> I already have two invitations for that weekend for parties. There are no wrong choices. So, yes, I understand. So, I will be eggnogging my ass off that weekend. Okay.
1: Okay. Um, (laughs) Anyways, uh, so for more information on the Lust Experience, you can go to thelustexperience.com. On Facebook, The Lust Experience. Instagram, The Lust Experience. And on Twitter, Lust underscore experience. So that wraps this one up.
0: Uh, One quick shout out, Mike. Uh, When I went to the Caden Project Walls Growth Inn recently, um, I ran into someone who has met you and met me uh, through the. I'm sorry, in advance. So, <laughs> so don't worry, I apologized for you. Uh, Cass, uh, we had a wonderful conversation, very quick, very brief. She was about to go into the Gaten Project as I was leaving and waiting on someone who had was in the show because uh, we were going to connect uh, for something else that night. And just, uh, it was really a really nice conversation. Someone who seems to be finding their way, discovering, exploring the immersive scene in Los Angeles. And uh, it was just nice to talk to someone who was excited about new stuff and she was looking forward to the Caden project hope she enjoyed it so but I just want to say nice meeting you again for the second time and it was very funny Mike, because uh inside the lobby for the Caden project there's like there's some sofas and chairs that you sit down on and there's lights in the corners so there was this person sort of waving at me and she was completely backlit <laughs> so I had no idea who it was <laughs> And so finally she like, hi. And I was like, um, I'm sorry. And she's like, oh, you met me. And like she started talking about how we met at a, at a different event. And then finally I like stepped over and I, and I, position myself differently and I literally had to say, I'm sorry, I have no idea who you are because you're completely backlit and I can't see who you are. (laughs) And she was like, Oh, Oh, okay. And then we started talking and talking about haunts and things that they, she had done and investigated. And I hope she enjoyed the Caden project, but it was really nice. And, and, you know, she has listened to the podcast and we appreciate that. And it's always nice to to meet and talk to people at events that we go to, to find out what they're excited about and what they're discovering. So, um, It was great seeing you cast. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you enjoyed the project. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So I think that wraps it up.
1: Yeah. um, A lot of stuff got crammed in. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's what she said. Yeah. There you go. I'm not Um, as good at that as you are. That's what she said too. (sighs) Yeah. Face proven Jeez. (laughs) Anyways,
1: uh, if you want to contact us, you can reach out at Mike at MyHauntLife.com or Russell at MyHauntLife.com with two S's and two L's. Uh, Find us on the web at MyHauntLife.com, on Facebook, and all the social medias, uh, MyHauntLife. And you can leave us a message or text at 515HauntLA. That's about it. I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. Happy Halloween. See ya.
0: Get out. Mm. We're done for now. Mm. And they also have a Utah, you, pardon me. Uh, however, if you search those hat, if they, you search. <laughs> wow. Hey, it was worth a trip to Vegas to hang a night with you. I,
1: what? That made no sense because I wasn't in Vegas.
0: Glady Oh, wow. And sadomastic uh, of an 80 slasher picture, picture. Actually, the uh, producer is also the fight choreographer. Chor- <sighs> Jesus, I'm going to hate editing this. If you want more information, look up their website. Um, uh, their website is Collaborus <sighs> God damn. <laughs> what is going on with me? And it's presented in associ- association... <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with me? It's one of those moments where you're in a dark room and then suddenly... Some, some, What is happening right now? I have no idea. We went to the haunted asylum of Kyle. Cal- <laughs> so you want to give the, you should give the information because I've given. I already those. did. What? I already did. Instagram and social media and all, all that? I already did that. Really? Yeah. Where was I? Okay. <laughs> uh, they describe this as a multi-sensory, imme- What the? Do you want to pause and take a break? <laughs> what is going on
1: do we can or we can start back up yeah